millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast was originally released to our Patreon members. To support what we do on Arsblog and get extra bonus content, visit patreon.com forward slash Arsblog. And welcome to this unusual Arsecast, because it is me, James from Gunnerblog, speaking first. Unprecedented. In a time of unprecedented things, this is also probably unprecedented. <laughs> I'm joined, as ever, by Andrew from Arsblog. Hello, how are you, Andrew? I'm fine, James. How are you? Yeah, I'm all right, yeah. thanks. I, I'm feeling the pressure a bit, feeling the responsibility of steering yeah. the ship. It's different when you're in I, the other chair in yeah. the pilot seat, isn't it? It's not as easy as it looks, I tell you. Yeah, I can see why you always screw up the intro. It's difficult. <laughs> always. I take some slight umbrage at that. <laughs> well, I, I, the reason that we're this way round is because a few people have been in touch on Twitter or on the Discord or wherever it might be mm. saying, could we do uh, an cast about the history of Arsblog and how it was built, you know, how you got into it mm. and what went on. And so who better to do the interview than me, the man from the Arsecast Extra that isn't Arsblog? It's perfect. It seems seems like a, a nice little setup here. We just switch around and and see where it takes us, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to be able to relax in that environment or do you think you're going to be like a sort of backseat driver, worried about where this is going, do you know what I mean? Trying to steer it even though you're not technically in control. No, I li- I quite like being interviewed. You know, it's uh, it's one of those things where I think it's it's really quite easy because people are just asking you questions. So unless it's like, what is the circumference of, you know, the world or, you know, the average rainfall sure. in the Amazon basin, you can find an answer. So I'm very You've relaxed. Seen my notes then. Yeah, sorry about that. I'm very you relaxed. Know what's coming up. <laughs> Windows open. Um, I'm barefoot in a pair of shorts. It's quite good. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, sounds it. Barefoot. Okay, it's a very chilled ask us. Well, look, let's yeah. go right back to the beginning. So when did Arsblog actually start? February 2002. 27th of February 2002, to be precise. That was the very first post on arsblog.com. Right. Okay. And had you been sort of active on the kind of Arsenal online community before then? Yeah. On the sites that existed previously? Yeah. I mean, I'd... Um, let me think of what I was doing. There was a thing called the Arsenal mailing list, which was people would just email um, back yeah, and so forth. I wasn't on this. So for people who weren't involved, is that literally just like a long chain of reply all emails? Kind of, yeah. You would just, I mean, you would just reply, I think the reply address was whatever, mailing list at arsenalmailinglist.com or whatever. And someone would like type a uh, whatever it might be whether it was about a match or about a scenario or a situation or or whatever it was 
someone would type an email and that people would reply to those emails and you would have the conversations going off in different directions. I seem to remember there were, there were some sort of rules that, you know, let's say someone wrote a 400 word email, but you were only replying to one particular section of it. You had to sort of make sure you clipped out the rest of it. So you weren't just like, um, sending swathes of text that were irrelevant. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And Clive, Clive Palmer was also on that mailing list, I believe. That is right. Clive Palmer is one of, I think, probably the first person that I I ever met in real life off the internet, if that makes sense. Because one of the things that they did, and this was at a time, you have to remember, this was maybe 98 or 99, Mm -hmm. the idea of meeting people from the internet was fraught with danger even if you're a grown-up man who who's to say you weren't being groomed by somebody and you know you could be taken away and and held captive and slave and and all those kind of things it was just a weird thing it was like where are you going i remember saying i'm going to a football match to see arsenal play barcelona at wembley uh, in the champions league all right and who are you going with well nobody i'm gonna meet some people there and it's like well what people uh my internet friends. <laughs> you know yes, that kind that, of way? Yeah, there was a lot more stigma around that at that time, I think it's fair to say. Probably justifiably, I don't know. But, yeah, and, but you met Clive. Was that 1999 that you met Clive? Then? Yeah, it was. It was at that game. It was, uh, there was a, 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 a meet-up for the Arsenal mailing list in a place right beside Wembley. And... Um, Arsenal yeah, lost, if I recall. We lost 4-2. Uh, to Barcelona, that's right. Yeah. There was a meetup in a sort of a bar near Wembley. It was quite close to the stadium, and we all had some pints and and shot the breeze and and everything else. So yeah, that was my first thing. And then there were some mailing lists or no message boards, forums. Mm. There was the Arsenal World forum, and then there was another world which existed because back then there were uh, games weren't on the radio or on the tv so there are a lot of them were on the radio and a lot of them you could get on capital radio um there were no sort of issues with rights um right so there was a thing did you ever use a thing called irc yes i did i can't even remember why but it's yes i did use irc yeah so there was a, a community of people who would meet um on irc which is like it, a kind of messaging service. Yeah, it's like, it's, again, it's, it's just like a, a, chat, a chat room. room. Yeah, it's basically mm. a chat room, a slightly less um, user-friendly chat room than you would get on the sort of the websites and what have you. But we'd all meet in there for the games, and because we could sometimes get the, uh, the games on the radio, sometimes not, um, I remember there were two guys from Australia, one guy called Steve Gleiber or Gleiber, I can't remember his name. Yes, I remember him. And he had an Arsenal website, which I believe is still going. Unfortunately, he passed away mm. some years ago. And there was another guy, oh God, I can't remember his name, but they seem to have loads of the games on in Australia. So what he would do is he would actually do what what I do with the live blog now, basically. He would type out stuff and we'd all be watching. And if you could hear the radio, it would be great. But you were following the game, watching somebody else type it out. And, you know, oh, wow. every, every week... For every game, we would meet and and chat about football and, um, you know, uh, experience Arsenal in that strange, weird way. So there were, yeah, there were lots of things sort of going on online um, that I've been flirting around with. 
Yeah. And so what compelled you to start your own blog? Well, I'd moved to, to Barcelona from Dublin in 2001. Right. Um, and just before I'd done that, I'd set up a little web design business with a friend of mine. And, and the idea, which wasn't a bad one, uh, was basically to sell really, well, not necessarily cheap, but really easy packages for for people to get a website. So you get your website, you get your hosting, you get your email. If you're a small business, you might get like little shopping cart stuff put in. Mm-hmm. And it was called uh, getmeonline.net. Um, good name. Not a bad name at all and, and conceptually quite good. Um, but, quite, you know, quite ahead of its time. It's somewhere, yeah, I mean, you yeah, know, I mean it was everywhere now. Exactly. Would it be that thing? You come along, I want a website. Here you go. Bang, bang. You know, it's Squarespace, quick and easy. Effectively. Yeah. Yeah, basically. You Fuck invented it. Squarespace. Oh, my God. Did. I can't believe I fucked that up. Um, <laughs> anyway, the, the, I, we were doing that and I moved to Spain, but we were keeping it going and... I was trying to learn how to do web design. You know, I was trying to learn how to build websites and make things, mm-hmm. you know, make things appear in the right place and make sure that they looked actually okay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was playing around with stuff like that. And the first iteration of Arsblog was not about Arsenal. It was much more specific. Just arses? No, not even arses. It was about Robert Perez. Oh, and I, 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 some would say it still is. It still, still is. I set up a website uh, again to sort of help me practice. It was called the Church of Bob, and it was essentially based around the idea that Robert Perez was a cult leader, if you like, and everybody was part <laughs> of the Church of Bob. And it, well, I'm not talking like, uh, uh, you know, who's the guy that made everyone drink all the the Kool Aid? Not quite sure. that. Uh, Not quite that. God, Jim Jones, was that it? Jim Jones, yeah. yeah, that is his name. So it wasn't It wasn't necessarily as evil as that. It was quite a, bene- a benevolent sort of cult because everybody just loved sure. Robert Perez. And, and it was just a funny kind of a thing. But around that time, blogs themselves started to to become prevalent. So people were doing these diary-style websites. And it occurred to me that perhaps there might be just a little more content or a little more... Uh, to write about and and do with Arsenal uh, Football Club than just one specific player. Um, right. Broaden your horizons. Yeah. Well. And it was also the idea that, like, it's a football club, so there's always something going on, whether it's a match, you know, a transfer, an injury, you know, news, gossip, all of those things were going to provide content. And the idea initially was to, to do the website and mm. to sort of hone my web designing skills along the way. Um, yeah, and so so it wasn't called Arsblog in the first instance. Well, it was. I mean, the the, the very I, I bought the name. I thought about what are you going to call a blog. I knew it was a blog. Um, and what are you going to call a blog about Arsenal other than Arsblog? So I registered the domain name Arsblog.com, and and sort of was. I didn't use any kind of blogging software for years. We just did a, a oh, really? page. I was yeah, about no. to ask. Yeah, no, it was. It wasn't it, blogger or no, something like that. It wasn't blogger, even though there was there was blogger out there, there was another one called Movable Type, which is one that I don't think is in use anymore. WordPress wasn't really around, or if it was, it no. was in the very early stages. But basically it was it was a page that was hand coded every day. So I'd write something and then just hand code it into the page uh and do it that way. So yeah, that's that's what it was. That's how it began. And in that first instance, did you sort of? How did you set about trying to get readers? Because obviously now you've got 
you know, Google search results and things like that, all, all kinds of things. But were you, you know, out in forums saying, hey, check out my blog? How did you I get it started? I don't know. I don't remember ever really doing that, like right. going on to places and just sort of spamming with the link. Um, sure. There was no social media, of course, at that point. So I don't uh. quite know. I mean, I must have, I must have sort of posted it on the Arsenal World message board or or something like that. Yeah. Um, just to get just to give it a little kickstart, there must yeah. have been something. But yeah, it's kind of. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other sites that were around. Arsenal World was definitely around, wasn't it? Arse Web. There were loads. Yeah, Arseweb was a big one as well. There was one called Boring, Boring Arsenal. I actually found uh, some photos. Um, oh, gosh. I actually was cleaning out the shed a few weeks ago. A few okay. weeks ago. It was probably longer than that, uh, more than a few weeks ago. But I found an old notebook in which I had listed all the Arsenal websites that I could find. And I've got to tell you, James, there were fucking loads of them. There were even then. Even then. Um, let me just see if I can find it. Um, Arsenal websites. I'm just sort of googling here. Arsenal. Oh yeah, here it is. So I've got like a. I'll put this in the show notes for this one. But yeah. you know, just to read you one half of one page of the sites that I could find. So there was. Arsenal World, there was at AFC, which was this guy who wrote really funny match reports. Do you remember that one? I actually don't remember that. Right, no. his name was Red Geezer, and he used to write the most amazingly scathing match reports, particularly oh. at a time when we were we yeah. were really quite <laughs> yeah, I good. Do remember that. We were yeah. really <laughs> quite good. So there was Steve Gleber's site, AFCI, Arseweb, Arse Online, Arsenal News Review, uh, Nigren's Arsenal Goals, the Arsenal mailing list, Up the Arse, Wengerland, Gunnernet, 70s and 80s Gunners, Keith Murdoch's Arsenal site, Arsenal in Oz, Boring Boring Arsenal, Gunars, Zakir's uh, Arsenal site, the Arsenal website, Arsenal unofficial website, the AFC online fanzine, Jacko's page and that's just one half of like four pages of arsenal sites that were doing the rounds back wow. in i would imagine the late 90s early 2000s it is kind of extraordinary isn't it because yeah. you know, obviously obviously now there's such a massive proliferation of different websites and social media accounts all about arsenal mm. but even back then it already had that sort of footprint yeah exactly people were doing people were just doing their own thing you know so what was, do you put that down to why do you think that arsenal have, has kind of always had that culture around it in a way that certain other big clubs don't haven't know. necessarily i don't know i mean i i guess to an extent that that uh, arse blog played a part in the sort of blog explosion anyway definitely be because yeah. you can you can answer that now in a minute i guess but um before mm. that, I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. I mean, look, I can't say that there weren't loads of Liverpool sites or Man United sites or, or whatever, because I wasn't really paying any attention to that. But certainly throughout the 2000s and when the blogging thing really took off, Arsenal were Arsenal were really uh, to the fore in that. There was, you know, there were just so many blogs out there for uh, for people to read, which I always thought was a was a great thing. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, as time went on, I think there's a degree of imitation there in terms of, you know, Arsenal became so big. I think it probably inspired the creation of a lot of other blogs, mm. myself included. But was your commitment right from the start? I'm going to do this 
every day. Was that does that something that happened by accident, or is it something you thought that's going to be my thing? My, well, the idea was to do something every day so I could learn something new about how to design. Right? right, so I could like try and you know put a picture in this way or change the site around. And in the early days, the actual design of the site changed quite frequently. As did the the name of the site. The initial name of the site was Arse Blog, the inconsequential ramblings of an Arsenal fan. Mm. Until such time as we won the FA Cup in two thousand and two, and they interviewed Freddie Jumberg on TV, and they said Freddie was a light to win the FA Cup, and he went, "It's fucking excellent." So that was the that was the the tagline then. I sort of dropped that long inconsequential ramblings bullshit and just put Arse Blog. It's fucking excellent, which I think yeah. really did kind of set the tone for for the site. You know, is that still there? Is that still the slogan? Uh, it is on the. It's 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 not in the the title that you get on the website anymore. Um, right. That sort of went away when. Ole Ole happened, and they got we'll, rid of it for search. We shall get to we them. We will get to them. But if you look on the website, um, if you look at the logo in the top left, it's Arse Blog, and it's fucking excellent, is in the is in the little cannon. So, yes, it's still yeah. there. And it's funny, that sounds so much, that resonates so much better in terms of, like, the tone of the site. Yeah. The inconsequential ramblings. Even yeah. though, you know, some days there are inconsequential ramblings. Many days. As we're all aware. <laughs> Particularly with the absence yeah. of football. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I, so how did other people start to get involved? Because I think as long as I have known you, it's felt like Tom has been part of Blog. So when did that happen and when did it start to be slightly more than just, you know, you on your own? Um what what i discovered quite quickly was that i was good at writing and good at putting words down on paper but not necessarily good at web design and certainly not very good at techie stuff like i'm not bad you know i can sort of fiddle my way around with things but you know there are people out there who are far better than i am at it and tom is one of those so tom for, for the first little while the website didn't have any comments so we we then, maybe after a few months, introduced a comment system, which was like a plug-in that you got from another website. Right. And, it, you know, we we had the arses, and we would get maybe 20 comments in a day in the early stages. And there were some people reading back then who are still reading to this day, and they would be like the first iteration of, of arsers and, you know, regulars. No, mm. Well, the regulars that I knew about, because I, I, I knew there were people reading, but there wasn't really any way for for interaction apart from email. Okay. Um, so Did the, you have analytics this early on? I think so. But, again, it wasn't really something that I paid a great deal of attention to. You know, it right. wasn't – because this wasn't – like, it wasn't important, really, how many people were reading. You know, it wasn't – that wasn't the aim – um, you had a, there was a different purpose. Of yeah, life, really, but I remember the 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 service that that went um, that did the comments. They shut down, or it broke, or or something like that. Right. And Tom was one of the first regulars. Tom was one of the first people who had been involved on the arses, you know, as, as someone who commented. And he, you know, without without that system in place. I think he emailed me and said, look, I can put something together. Would you like that? And it was like, well, yes, that would be fucking great. Brilliant. Mm. So, you know, Tom, from a technical point of view, has been involved right from the very start. Um, 
you know, when we we had a forum uh, on the website, which um, you know, where a big community grew as well, as you know, you're you're part of that. Mm-hmm. But Tom, you know, when it came to web hosting and when it came to servers and when it came to those kind of things, was just so much more um, knowledgeable than I mm-hmm. was about those kind of things. So down the years, he's he's really been like a, a bedrock for the website in terms of it being available and, you know, people having a website to visit every morning in no small part is down to Tom. Um, you know, in particular, over the last few few months where we've moved everything and, you know, we've changed our hosting and all that kind of stuff, he's still managing all of that stuff in ways that I can't really get my head around, but he knows what he's doing, and that's that's the main thing. He's a very, very smart guy. So mm. in the beginning, in this period, it's worth mentioning, I suppose, that you were doing this kind of in your spare time, right? You were juggling mm. it alongside other jobs? Yeah, I was teaching English um, over in Spain, and I was trying to make that other company work, which, you know, ultimately didn't happen. Um, mm. And I think what 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 sort of gave it a real kick, there were two things which gave it a, 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 a real boost. One was I would just sort of post something or, you know, put something on the site whenever, whenever I felt like it. And, right. you know, it could be morning, it could be midday, it could be evening, whatever. But I got a job in Barcelona. This is a this is one of those for the worst jobs you ever had. Okay. The very One of the very first iterations of what we all now know as a chat bot. Right? right, you know, you know when you go to a website and this little face pops up and says, "How can I help Talk you?" To me, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And you type in like uh, blah, whatever it is, and it gives you a list of of answers. Right. Mm-hmm. So I got a job in Barcelona working for a company who had been commissioned to make one of those for IKEA. Okay. Right. So consider just for one second the amount of <laughs> products that IKEA has. Many, many, many. So you have to you have to program this thing, and it was a program. I mean, that sounds utter, utterly wanky. It was basically data entry. We were filling fields in spreadsheets, but it was basically so this little head would pop up, and you could say, "Hello, I want to know more about the Malmo bookcase," and it yeah, would say, sure. "The Malmo bookcase is uh, I don't know." You had to give like how tall it was, how wide it was, how many there were in stock, where you could get all these kind of things. I mean, it was absolutely mind-numbingly awful. It was just fucking terrible. Um, <laughs> it really was. But but it meant, because I was living at that time, I was living about 40 minutes outside Barcelona on the train. Uh-huh. So I had to get up every morning, go down to the train station, get on a tra- uh, train to Barcelona, uh, go to work, come back from the work as a normal person does. You know, they go out of the house, they go to work, they come home. You know, it's not mm-hmm. earth-shattering. But mm-hmm. I, I I started posting every single morning before right. I would go to work. Uh, you writing it on the train or you'd get no, up early? No, and do it? D- on the train. Are you, what? No, I got it's up early. Yeah, we, do, well, I mean, we didn't have fucking laptops that didn't weigh the size of a small elephant and oh, there was no Wi Fi. And, you know, I think mobile phone internet was. Uh, do you remember WAP? Was that what it was called? Yes, if you could somehow, I do. somehow get something on your Nokia, painfully so it, yeah, slow. Yeah, painfully slow. Um, so no, I would get up, post it, go to work, come back, blah blah blah. And at the same time, people were beginning to get faster internet. Um, 
right. particularly in the UK, you know, with, with ADSL and things like that. And people were in work and work um, internet was not quite as restrictive, I'd say, as it is now. So you could just go to any website you wanted and there were no filters and stuff like that. So that, that frequency, that regularity of having like what was essentially an Arsenal morning edition every single day really gave the side a push at a, a key time. Mm. And then I suppose consequently, you'd get that kind of chat throughout the day that happened, I guess, first on the arses and then mm. later in the forums. Yeah. Are they, is there a lot of overlap between those two communities or are they quite distinct? Mm, there is a lot of overlap or, there, you know, there was a lot of overlap. But there are people who go on the arses who have never been on the forum and people who are on the forum who never go on the arses and, and what mm. have you. So, uh, yeah, look, they, they did cross over and there was, you know, some, some, uh, fun bants, if you like, between the two sides down the years. But, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it's just, you know, people, people like the thing they like. So if you like the arses, that was a good conversation to have and a good way to have the conversation and yeah. forum different because there were many different topics, like in most sort of forums that people are aware of, uh, you know, on the internet. I seem to remember it was quite difficult to get in the forum. I remember having to fill out a little Q&A. Yeah, how did you... It had to be vetted. How did you find the site? Here's a question. Sorry, just one question for me. How did you find it? How did I find Arsenal? If you can That's remember. That's a really good question. I'm not sure. I think it would have been through a message board, probably through the Arsenal World message board. Right. Um, but it very quickly just became part of my daily routine i think what you say is absolutely right that it just being there in the morning you know you have you have your little regime don't you You have things that you do and increasingly for people that's not read the newspaper it's go on a blog or go on their social media feeds but mm. even back then yeah it would be the first one of the first websites i would check probably yeah and uh yeah it just became something and then i remember there was a forum and i think you had to I think you had to basically apply and sort of give your credentials as an Arsenal fan. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> if you, and if you came across okay, you were allowed in. Basically, uh, yeah. 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 And I sort of snuck in through there. And then, yeah. like you say, a kind of community uh, sort of blossomed around that. Yeah. I mean, that was, I think, one of the things that, you know, I was quite aware that that if you are, you know, I knew the site was popular. So if you had like an open forum that anybody could come along and join, your chances of, with all due respect to, to everyone out there, attracting some of the wrong people who could make the place a bit toxic and what have you were higher. So, yeah, it some was, of the forums out there were quite like that. Yeah, they, they were. Recall. Yeah. So it was always, I think it was initially open for everybody and then it was closed and remains closed uh, to to new people. Um, but, you know, the, the, the application uh, process for the most part, weeded out the the undesirables, if you like. Uh, you sure, sure. you managed to sneak through. I slipped through some. Few, get through the cracks. A few yeah. others, and we've had a few bannings and what what have you down the years. But but it remained a very manageable community in in terms of size and in terms of the amount of stuff that's getting posted on there. If it's, I, I shudder to think what it would have been like if it had been, you know, with the popularity of the site, just so many people posting message after message after message and, and, and how you manage that and deal with trolls and deal mm. with, you know, people saying things they shouldn't say and, and everything else. So mm. one of the things that is really interesting about the forum, and I guess the answer to an extent too, is how much, and we see it on the discord now, how much the conversation diversifies 
beyond football, right, mm. and beyond Arsenal, certainly, uh, it became much broader than that. And if I think about it, like, there were discussions on every, every possible subject, you know? That, yeah. It, it was quite amazing, really. Yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, on a, on a weekday on the Arses, for example, you know, if there's no match, people are still there because they're, they're, they've become part of a community and the... the you know, the, the conversations that went on from basically the first arse every day to the last arse, whenever that might happen at, at night, mm. it was just basically a big chat room that people were, were uh, you know, got to know each other really well and they, they would just talk all day, whether it was about football or not. Sometimes, you know, I know that people have said, like, they, they, they came along and they would open up the arses and they'd look to leave a comment about what it, whatever it was I might have written that day and then seen 20 messages talking about about God knows what, like, you know, why Smurfs are, you know, worse than I don't know what, you know? Uh, Trolls. Yeah, exactly. You know, and then go, well, fuck, I don't know how to deal with this. Um, and it, <laughs> it, it, it took some people a bit of time, you know, they'd lurk for a while and then have a look and then sort of dip their toe in and, and see what it was like. But yeah, yeah the I mean, lurkers, that was a thing, wasn't it, for a long time on, yeah, on think, lots of websites? Yeah, I think there's lurkers on, on every forum and every sort of chat system and what have you. There's people who just read the comments, for example. They like reading the comments and reading the interactions, but they're not necessarily that interested in, in, in uh, joining in themselves, which is fine. You know, it's human nature. On, on the subjects of comments and things like that, how have you, sort of jumping forward a bit and sort of, you know, looking at how toxic some of those environments can be, is there and has there always been a sort of degree of kind of policing the site? You know, do you have to enforce rules in order to keep it nice? Yes, you do. Um, but I think from the very start, like from the very start, I was quite clear about what was acceptable and what wasn't. So I never had any issue with somebody coming along and using bad language. You were never going to get slagged or told, please mind your language. Sure. Because, you know, back in the day, the blog was swearier than it is now. Um, mm. So I couldn't tell people, you know, well, you can't swear. But it was from the very start. There were things like, you know, don't. Uh, don't be racist, obviously. Don't be sexist. Don't be homophobic. Don't use uh, the word yid if you're talking about Tottenham, right? Those yeah. those sort of things. Um, like no no ticket touting. No, um, you know, if you're if you're uh, having a discussion, talk about the subject. Don't sort of re uh, resort to name calling things like that. You know, it mm -hmm. was it was those kind of things that I put in place uh, quite quickly. Um, and they were they were easy to understand, and and the the, the communities became a little bit self policing, you know. So it would, there was stuff like don't use um, acronyms like lol and whatever. Um, yeah. That was a little bit of snobbery, but it sort of fed into the kind of people who were coming into the community and 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 using the comments every day. Um, of course, over the years, in 18 years, you've got people who, who transgress and who don't abide by the rules or who don't think that the rules should apply to them. Um, mm -hmm. And the, the comments on Arsblog News, for example, um, were more difficult or are more difficult to look after than the arses. 
Right, because they're bringing in a different kind of reader, I, yeah, I guess. Yeah, sort of, uh, because it's news, it's immediate reaction to things, and also yeah. because the, the actual comment system itself is your classic, leave your name, leave your email, post a comment. Right. Again, there are things on there we have, you know, WordPress allows you to to have a moderation list. So you can put words in there, which if people use the word, will hold their comments. So if someone says... Um, I love Teddy Sheringham. Yeah, exactly. Or <laughs> fuck the ids when they're talking yeah. about Tottenham. It doesn't get published. Right. So we can then, I can then go through what's, what needs to be moderated, what doesn't, and you release the ones that are fine. I mean, there are over 1,000 IP addresses, usernames, phrases, and, and things that have been built up over the years that are in the moderation list. So that will tell you just wow. kind of how much you have to stay on top of it. But I do think, I do think that you, you have to, because if you have a comment section that is noxious and toxic and full of, um, unacceptable language or, or, or what have you, it reflects on you as the guy who owns the site, right? Mm -hmm. Even if it's not you saying those things, you're allowing them to, to, to be um, published on your website. So, it, you know, it reflects on you, and that's why I've always tried to, to stay on top of that. Yeah, and there's quite a lot of work in that, I think. Mm. I mean, I know from when I had my own blog that sometimes things would happen in the comments and, you know, mm. you know you've got to get in there and deal with it. But it's there is a degree of, you know, you can pl program in certain stuff to be removed automatically, but, you know, there is a degree of management there. For sure. Um, so was Arsblog beginning to take up more and more of your time and how did it begin to shift from being a, a hobby, essentially, to something more like your job? Well, when I came back from Spain, um, no, I didn't come back to a job in Ireland. Um, right. So I was looking to do various things like voiceover work and, and what have you, which, uh, you know, I found some of that and that was good. But I was looking to to try and make some money from the website. But, you know, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a sales guy, right? I, do you remember there was a book called... The Arsenal Opus. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah, I do. A big book. And and one of the guys um, who was on the arses and on the forum, uh, Bergkamp fan was his name. As I'm yes. sure you know him. He was working in like digital media and advertising and stuff like that. And he came to me and he said, look, we've got this campaign. O2 want to run a, a campaign on the website. And, you know, how much would it cost to run ads for a month? And I was like, um, no, I don't know. I yeah. genuinely don't know. I literally had no idea what I should be charging for that. And I remember him saying, I remember I said something to him like, uh, 400 pounds. And he went, mm. would you just stop? Don't be silly. Don't be silly. And I was like, oh, well, have I overestimated that? And he was like, well, no, you've like completely underestimated it. And eventually got me a deal, which was worth maybe around three or four grand for a right. month, which was like, whoa, what the fuck? Which was yeah, a yeah. huge amount back then, you know? It really was a, a huge amount. Um, because so that kind I, of opened your eyes. Yeah, it bit, sort of I opened guess. my eyes to that, to that kind of stuff. And then there was, you know, various sponsorships and the, the Ole Ole thing started happening whereby I was doing a podcast for them. They were sponsoring the Arsecast, which began in 2006, and, mm -hmm. and it began to get a little bit more 
it began to be something that generated me some revenue around 2007, I would say. Okay. From then on, it started to 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 earn me some money, but you know, certainly not anywhere near what you might call uh, you know full time employment or anything. Right. Okay. So you were still having to do other bits and pieces yeah. alongside it. Yeah. 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 In that period. Yeah. Uh, and what kind of stuff was that? I mean, voiceovers have always been a thing for you, haven't they? Voiceovers. I'm trying to remember what else I was doing. Um, I mean, a lot of voiceover stuff. So I got, I got like gigs. A uh, friend of mine got me a gig doing voiceovers for um, Satanta Sports. Yes, I remember I well. Still do a little bit of for them. Well, Satanta Sports not anymore, but they're Fox Sports and ESPN and, and what have you. So doing right. that and doing commercials. And I can't remember what else I did. I mean, I must have done. I just, I, you know, I don't remember um, very clearly. <laughs> what I was doing from a work point of view, because I think what had happened was when when we came back from Spain, because we'd sold a house, we had a little bit of money, like not right. masses of money or anything like it, but just a little bit. So it wasn't, wasn't a case that I had to go like work in a bar or work, you know, nine to five or something like that. Sure. Um, you could kind of see how things were. Yeah, a little Play bit. Play it by ear. A little, a little bit, bit, yeah. And so the Ask cast started, what year did you say, sorry? 2006, October. And that was pretty early for a podcast, as far as I recall. Yes, I think it was. I think it was. And, um, you know, because of my background in radio, I've always liked, I like it's the most amazing medium because you can just go and do what you want. You have a blank slate, you can say what you want, and you can... You can uh, you could do silly voices and make up characters and nobody's going to mm -hmm. tell you, stop, you can't do this because this is your own thing. So, yeah, it was really early for podcasts. I guess it must be one of the longest running podcasts around. Yeah. Um, and were you into podcasts at that early stage and thought, I'm not, hey, I'm going to do one of these? I'm or? not sure I was into them, but I became aware of them. I started reading about them and then it was like, hang on a minute. This is just, this is like a radio show. You can yeah. do yourself. And yeah. you just upload it and people listen. This is great. It was kind of perfect. Yeah, exactly. So I was I was quite happy and I'm quite comfortable behind a microphone. I was never was never worried about, you know, having nothing to say. Mm. Um but I did, you know, I, I think that's why in the early stages there were lots of things, you know, there were lots of lots of little skits and lots of characters and and you know, I hadn't spent a great deal of time interviewing people. Mm. Um True. And I think you were on one of the first ones, maybe the second one or the third one. Right, I can't yeah. remember. But it was, it was a lot of like getting other bloggers on and things yeah, like that. Right. Exactly. Getting bloggers on. Sketches. And, um, yeah. And just whatever, trying to make something. And, and the show back then was probably 30 minutes, maybe 40 minutes. You know, it wasn't right. quite as in-depth as it is now. Um, but it was what it was back back in the day. And people took to it very quickly, I think. Um, again, it was sort of being one of the first people to do it mm -hmm. made it, um, I don't know if it made it more interesting to people, but it was, I think for a while, it was probably the only Arsenal podcast out there. And, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, Arsenal, the football club, have only just launched theirs. What are we, like 14 years on? Mm. So... Yeah, it was definitely well ahead of the game. So let's, you mentioned LA, uh, 
Alay, alay, briefly, sorry. Not yeah. Alay. Uh, how did all that come about? And, uh, yeah, what happened there? Well, I, you know, they wanted a podcast. Um, so they wanted a general football podcast. There was actually another guy who, who was a regular on the site called Sol. Um, mm-hmm. And he was involved with them. They were, a, they were a startup in L.A., and their idea was like football social networking, right? Right. So like a Facebook for football, but they wanted a podcast. So I got myself and the Mug Smasher, and we produced a, a weekly football podcast. Um, we used what was that called? The Week in Football, something like that. Right, okay. But we used sort of stage names. Um, <laughs> okay. I was, I was John Johnson, and he was Tom Thompson. Nice. And we would do chat about football, and then we'd... Uh, we had a Spanish football correspondent, which happened to be a mate of mine who's Italian in Spain, and we had an Italian football correspondent, and we had a, a Scottish football correspondent, a guy called Kevin Graham, who, who's a Celtic uh, blogger. Um, he used to be called the Lord of the Wing, and now he's doing one called the Celtic State of Mind and, and what have you. And we just chat about football. Um, and then I was approached, you know, about about selling the site or, or becoming part of this network that they were putting together, which was basically, you know, they were going to get an Arsenal site, a Liverpool site, a, a, a Spurs site, which they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, there was a Barcelona site, whatever. But the guy came to me in Dublin. i tell you exactly when it was as well. It was the game in which Eduardo had his leg broken. Um, oh, wow. I, I met the guy in a bar in Dublin. That was a sign, Andrew. It was. I should have fucking run a mile. <laughs> um, but I met him there that morning, and um, we watched the game, and it was quite traumatic from a footballing point of view. But he had, you know, the idea was he was going to make me an offer for the website. Um, okay. And I thought he might come along and say, here is a lump of money. This is what we're going to do. But what he did was he offered me a monthly salary. Mm-hmm. And I had a sort of figure in mind that that I, you know, would have been quite happy with. Mm. And he offered me double that. Right. So I was like, okay. Okay. Well, yeah, let's do this. Let's do this. So in order to seal the deal, they brought me out to Los Angeles. They flew me to L.A., put me up on Rodeo Drive in a boutique hotel there. There was, however, another warning sign when nobody was at the airport to pick me up, um, even though they were supposed to be. Uh, <laughs> um, but still, this all this would all, I mean, I would absolutely hook, line, sinker, go for this. You know, double what mm. you're thinking of, flown out to LA, very swish, very fancy. Yeah. And in theory, just carrying on doing kind of what you were already doing. Exactly. That was the thing. I mean, I did have some stipulations that, you know, the blog was going to continue. It moved from arsblog.com to oleole.com forward slash arsblog. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was that was fine. And I said, look, I'm, I'm not going to take any direction in what I say. I won't um, be told what I can write. I'm going to write the way I've always written. And they, they were happy with that. I said, you know, the Stuff like the 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 arses and the forum, they have to continue the way that they are. They were happy with that. You know, I kept the podcast going, all that kind of stuff. But you know, in the back of my mind, there was an element of, well, this is this feels a little bit too good to be true. Um, sure. And it was true for a while, and then it stopped being completely true, and then it became a bit less true, and then not very true at all. Um, but. One of the things that I did very luckily was insist that within my contract, 
saying that if at any point Ole Ole closed down, everything reverted to me, um, which thank, ulti- thank ultimately is what that. happened. Yeah. And when you say it sort of ceased to be true, like, can you go into that at all? Like, yeah. What, what went wrong? Well, they ran out of money. Right. They stopped paying me. Um, I, you know, they they wouldn't take any of the advice that that we gave them as people who are running blogs about football teams in England and and what have you. Yeah. You know, this idea that you you would be like a Facebook friend with a Tottenham fan, for example, just wasn't going to happen. They thought mm-hmm. there'd be this like great interaction between all the fans and you could you could set up your own blog and stuff on Ole Ole. That was another part of what they were doing. So you could go and if you were reading our blog, you could come along and say, hey, I want to set up a blog. So you set up your blog, you start writing and they were going to uh, amass this, crit- uh, get this critical mass of user-generated content, which was going to propel the site and everything else. And it just was, pfft, just didn't work, you know, it didn't work the way they thought it was going to work. And they stopped paying me basically, or you get half your wages one month and then nothing. And, you know, uh, w- when this happened, just before it happened, uh, or maybe around the time it happened, uh, we bought a house here in Dublin. Um, right. We bought a house in 2008. Can you remember something Thinking. else that happened in 2008, apart from Eduardo getting his leg broken? <laughs> oh, uh, the global recession. Yes, the financial <laughs> Which crash. Which was particularly bad in Ireland, as yes, far as I recall. Yes, it was. So what we had was a hyperinflated property market, um, at the very top of which I bought my house. Ah. Um, and then it was fine because I was getting paid by this company and getting paid well by this company. But when it stopped going well, you know, there were problems with paying the mortgage and, and that kind of stuff. So, yeah, they left me in a really bad position financially uh, when eventually it came back to me, I think, late in 2010. You know, it had okay. gone maybe six months and I'd got 20% of my wages. Um, so that and by meant... this time, presumably the site is taking up, you know, the, the majority of your time yeah. at this stage. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I mean, so that was where difficult. Where do you go from there? Yeah, where do you go from there? Um, well, you've got, you have discussions with the bank and you tell them I can't afford to pay my mortgage. Uh, and then you have discussions with revenue because the money that you were supposed to pay in taxes, you need to live on and stuff like that. So you have to make some kind of an arrangement with them. And that's not a pleasant thing to go through. And banks, as I'm sure lots of people know, as institutions are, are absolute cunts when they want to be. And the bank that I had were, were quite difficult, even though I, you know, always tried my best to act in good faith and to repay the money over time. But, from a site point of view, it was like, well, what what do I do? You know, because yeah. do I just say, fuck it, that's it, it's over? And I go get a job somewhere and I, I bring in some regular nine-to-five income, which was very tempting because as a, a self-employed person yourself, you know that there are days and weeks where you think, fuck, it'd be great just to go to work on Monday at nine o'clock, come home uh, at five, do it again from Monday to Friday and know how much money you're going to earn in a mm. week, in a month, in a year. Whereas when you're sort of trying to build a business, you've got no idea. One week or one month could be good. The next month could be terrible. 
But I, I also had the problem where I didn't know what the fuck it was I did at that point. You know, uh, I didn't yeah. know, like I'd done, I was a technical support manager and had some customer service experience, but I really didn't want to go back and do that because I didn't, I didn't like it. You know, um, the mm. office environment, if you, I think if you're a, if you're a creatively minded person, the office environment is really quite stifling. Um, so, yeah, but equally, I guess, you, you know, at that point you're kind of, you're jack of all trades, master of some, but it's difficult to know mm. if you were to get a job, what you would do, Yeah, or, you know, what you'd want to do. Exactly. Exactly. So the idea occurred to me that like, well, how do, how do I generate more revenue from the site? I had it on a whiteboard here in my office for, for ages. I think that the formula was um, more content equals more page views. More page views equals more ad impressions. More ad impressions equals more revenue. Yeah. So the it, sounds, it sounds scientifically sound. It does. It does. Um and the way that I thought about doing it was to set up an Arsenal news site. And I wavered over it because it was, look, the, the, the commitment that you have to make to doing something like that is not small. Because if you're doing Arsenal news, you're doing something that happens seven days a week. Um, so you've got to be prepared to do that. You've got to be prepared to work every time there's a match on. Mm -hmm. rather than just sit and watch a match you've got to do all the various bits and bobs that have developed over the years so I was a little bit worried about doing it and doing it on my own which is where Andrew Allen comes into things um, beautiful Andrew Allen yes lovely beard with his lovely beard and his lovely hair he was working for a site called sport.co.uk um, I remember them well, as a writer yeah. and I, I knew Andrew a little bit because he would sometimes email me stuff and say, look, we've got a, a story on sport.uk that's Arsenal related. If you want to give us a link, you know, from Ars blog, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I seem to remember they had a couple of little exclusive lines in their time on transfers. And things yeah. Like that, that uh, were Arsenal related. I forget what exactly. I think they were Arshavin related. They were to do with Dennis Lachter, who was uh, Arshavin's agent, as you know. Um, but around the time I was thinking about doing this, the web, that website folded, it went under. So I, I contacted, contacted Andrew and said, look, this is what I'm thinking of doing. Would you be interested in doing it with me? I can't pay you a salary, but I can give you a percentage of all the revenue that the site generates. Right. And he said, yes. And we set it up, um, which was in, I can go back and look at the archives here, can't I? I think it was June... 2000 and let me have a look here June 2011 holy shit um, and our very first story on our Blog News um, was about the Arsenal women if I recall correctly hmm. uh, Arsenal ladies win FA Cup was our first story followed the next day by Bentner I must leave Arsenal followed by Robin tells Chelsea to shut the fuck up. So I think, you know, we set the tone there quite well. Yeah, and I guess, you know, that was the that was the thing, wasn't it? It was the news, but with a distinctly Arsenal and Ars blog flavour. Yes, exactly. I mean, it was, it was always about, 
not taking everything too seriously, but also, you know, it was, again, when we come back to to building something and maintaining something and, and how people perceive it, we were really, really careful from the start not to do things which would annoy people, by which I mean um, sort of clickbait content, yeah, clickbait transfer rumors, clickbait headlines, those kind of things, absolutely verboten. No way were we going to do that. And the other thing was like advertising. Um, so we would have our Google ads on the website, but we would never have uh, pop-ups or pop-unders or interstitials or anything that obscured the content or autoplay videos or anything like that, mm. which would have been more lucrative. Like, I, I mean, I'm sure you must have got offers when you were running Gunner Blog. Will you run this ad on the website? Like, I, frequently, I would turn down ads and offers from from people who say, look, this this is an ad. It'll do a pop-up once every 24 hours, you know, yeah. for, for each visitor. And we will pay you two grand or three mm-hmm. grand. Mm-hmm. And the site itself wasn't even doing that in a month you know, in, in ad revenue and you're being offered these things and it's so tempting, but you kind of, you realize that if you do it, you go down a road that's very hard to, to come back from. Like, for example, let's say uh, caught offside, decided to rebrand themselves as a serious um, intellectual football website. They'd never be able to do it because of all the shit that's come before, you know? Mm. So you sort of blot mm. your copybook with things like that. So we were very careful not to uh, to to build something that people were happy to visit and they weren't annoyed by, because so many websites at that time were were annoying, weren't they? You'd click and then a load of shit would open up and yeah, and I think you know plenty of websites are still like that, to be honest. But accept our cookies. <laughs> yeah, that's the new thing, I guess. I've accepted every fucking cookie in the world at this point, and I still get those I know. messages. I know. I'm I'm chowing down on cookies, and they're still coming out. But, <laughs> yeah, that's a really that's a really interesting point, protecting, I guess, the user experience, to use a bit yeah. of wanky language. Sure. But also, in terms of the way that Ask Blog News would deal with the news, say with the transfer rumors, for example, having having things like the Puamata, like knowing that some of it's bullshit yeah. is kind of uh, important, right? Not attempting to make money out of lies essentially yeah exactly exactly you know and and look you you can't be blind to the fact as well that the transfer rumors are really interesting and people love them and 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 what have you but it was about doing it in a way um which allowed let's say some interaction or some fun or some people to you know the people who are reading the site to not take it too seriously themselves so we would have the pooometer and people could rate from one to ten out of ten poos you know just just how true a rumor was so one poo was like something lovely and solid and ten poos was was runny absolute shite an absolute yeah, disaster an yeah. absolute disaster so yeah things like that that um allowed you to sort of dip your toe into that world but do it in a way which wasn't um wasn't what everyone else was doing if you like and the obvious question i suppose is having sort of wrestled control back of Artblog from uh, Alele and being sort of on your own again. Have you ever since then had offers from people who've wanted to buy the site off you or take the site off you? And and has your experience with Alele kind of changed how you feel about that sort of thing? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, there was one not so long ago. Um, 
small little website called The Athletic. Um, never heard of them. No? Never heard of them. should check them out. I think you might, <laughs> think you might fit well there. Um, yeah, look, they, they were interested. Um, it, it never got to the point where we discuss money or anything like that because I was quite upfront with them and just said, look, I, I've built something here. Um, it wasn't, maybe it was about a year after we started the Patreon. Yeah. And one of the things that I had done was was make a commitment when we launched the Patreon that, that everything that was free on the website would remain free. So Patreon was was bonus stuff. It was extra content. It was... Um, it was giving people extra value for their subscription and for their support. And I just felt mm. like I couldn't in good conscience or in good faith, having made that commitment to people who were um, supportive and generous to, you know, put their hand in their own pocket and, and subscribe uh, month after month to then sort of say, well, thanks very much for your money there. Now I'm going to take this money here. And and basically everything that, that Arsblog had become would have become, it would have gone behind a paywall or it would have, uh, my writing and, and what have you would only have existed behind a, a different paywall. So I couldn't do that. And then there was also mm. the Ole Ole thing in that, um, and I'm not suggesting that The Athletic are, are anything like Ole Ole because from what I can see there are, a much smarter, a much more organized, a much better run uh, business with with smart people at the top of it who know what they're doing and know how to build something and understand the markets in which they're operating. But, you know, I've sort of been there, worn that T-shirt, and um, I didn't really want to go down that way again, having having spent the time building it to what it is now to sort of give it away again just didn't make any sense. And also... Uh, being your own boss is mm. is good, right? It is. It is good. You know, there is a you know, there's a lot of work that goes into the website, and there's a lot of work that goes into you know creating all the content every day. Um, you know, w- whether we have football or we don't have football at the moment, there's still yeah. a lot of work. And I, as you referenced on the Arscast Extra on on Monday, you know, the idea of weekends is a strange one. If, yes. if you do what we do, right? Because you work Monday to Friday anyway, because those are, those are just working days. And then you're working at least one of the days at the weekend because there's a match on. And you're sort of tied up with, with doing all the match stuff. Um, mm. But there is also a freedom in that, like, I can do my blog in the morning, check and see if there's any news. And if there isn't, you know, I can go out with the dogs for a couple of hours or I can go and, you know, do my dad shopping or I can wander off and do, you know, whatever and come back. Um, So it's not that you're sort of chained to your desk 18 hours a day, but, you know, my typical day starts at six in the morning. I come upstairs, I do the blog and I finish around 10, maybe 11, sometimes midnight, depending on what's going on, you know. But it's yeah. not as if you're working every hour of that period. So there is a freedom that comes with it. And, and uh, uh, yeah, so that, that part of it is good. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. 
That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. And I'm just thinking in terms of the chronology, uh, I mean, around it was January 2014 when the Arsecast was supplemented by the Arsecast mm. Extra. Yeah. Uh, I actually had a look through my emails today. Oh, yeah. And I found this email Go from on. you to me, which says, Hey, man, I know you're away or something. But <laughs> <laughs> Very dismissive. But when you get back, would be good to have a chat. Was thinking about another podcast perhaps something we could co-host maybe take reader questions via twitter some calls etc the calls fell by the wayside it was too technically complicated mm. might work best immediately after matches but there's definitely a gap in the market for something more up to date and basically i mean whatever you wrote in that email is effectively how it's turned out yeah yeah because i mean the thing about the friday arsecast was that you know it was generally based around the game that was coming up that weekend yeah or you know to be fair there was there was post-match stuff you know when we were in the champions league tuesdays and wednesdays you know you could have a chat on thursday about the game that happened in midweek but but basically it was sort of out of date wasn't it by by saturday or sunday depending on the match yeah exactly um and it wasn't necessarily supposed to be a post-match podcast per se but i think that's obviously i don't remember looking at it from that point of view i just saw you know there was definitely room for another podcast Mm. um and then i do remember thinking like well who 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 would be a good co-host out of all you know the people that have been on the pod down the years and i think as well obviously the fact that you were a kind of freelance guy um i was available you mean yeah (laughs) <laughs> but uh, no, but I mean, the, the fact that your work sort of allowed you to be around on a, a Monday morning, whereas let's say Jim, the man from East Lower, exactly, he wouldn't be around on a Monday morning because he's he's you know he's got a real job, which isn't to dismiss your choice of career or anything, you know. But <laughs> but I, I sort of knew you would be available, and I, I thought the dynamic would be would be quite good, and um, I'm glad my instincts were right. Yeah, well, we—I mean, we—we'd done probably quite a number of normal last casts mm. by that point. I'd probably been on quite a few times, and yeah. again, me being available was factor in that. You know, if something happened or sure. whatever, I was—I uh, was often uh, around. But yeah, I mean, I uh, said yes, obviously, and uh, that we're still going on that. So, yep, yeah, so far so good. Happy ever after. Uh, I hope. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't think it's any great secret. I think I said it at the time, but when when I was approached uh, by The Athletic, I think in their ideal world, they would have liked to be able to say that I was sort of exclusively doing that football-wise, but yeah. you know, I, I was very clear that I wanted to carry on doing Ask Cast Extra, and fortunately, uh, that's worked out. Yeah, and great. Yeah, so uh, hopefully happily ever after. We'll see. I mean, who knows? The Athletic might go under in a, a year or something like that. They might just be another LA LA. I'm not counting my chickens. Let's okay. Put it like that. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what was I going to say? Yes, yeah, so that happened. And then, 
I mean, I'm trying to figure it out. Maybe you'll remember better than me. But did you start getting columnists and stuff before the Patreon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, one of the one of the first columnists, obviously, was Tim Stillman. Um, yeah. Around the time when Ole Ole went to shit, and before before I started the news site, there was probably a four five month gap, maybe a bit more. Actually, I think it was it was around October when I got the site back from Ole Ole, and it was June, as I said, June 2011. So it took a while for news to come in. But again, that sort of mantra about producing more content was uh, was out there. And I'd read, been reading Tim's stuff on Vital, Vital, Arsenal? Vital Arsenal, yeah, where he was posting under the name Little Dutch VA. Mm. Um, and I remember I emailed them, actually, I emailed them first rather than approaching Tim and I said, well, look... like the transfer regulations like, exactly. dictate. Yeah, I didn't want to just tap must him agree up. Must agree a fee first. Yeah, so I said, look, I, I would be interested in Tim doing a column for the website. Would you have any objections if I spoke to him? Because, you know, I didn't want to sort of create any beef or anything with the, with the website. Um, and they said, no, go ahead. Um, so I emailed Tim and he came on board Um I'm trying to think. Am I am I forgetting anyone? I Arsenal Gent, maybe. Arsenal Gent was later. Right. That that was later. That was certainly after news had been up and running for for quite a while, and it was just like I really this guy makes me laugh a lot. And I know he's yeah. he's sort of an acquired taste. I know not everyone likes it, but it just makes me laugh. The turns of phrase make me laugh. So I approached <laughs> him to to do something. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's just sort of over the years adding bits and adding bits and pieces on. I guess it was that uh, a bit scary in some ways to sort of allow because it's always been your writing and your voice to have like a diversification of different contributors. Was that a bit weird letting go of that to an extent? No, not really. Because actually, in the early days, there were some columnists as well. Oh right, okay. we, we published some articles by by other writers. Um, so it wasn't completely out of the ordinary for for that to happen um so guest posts and things yeah like that. exactly um but i wasn't i wasn't worried about it or scared by it i thought you know it would be good to have a a range of opinions and a range of of voices on the site and they were always it was always obvious that it wasn't me you know it was you know the people who write have always been distinct they get their own mm. byline you know they get their own uh little avatar and what have you so you know if it's a, an arse blog article it's it's me and if it's tim or if it's the gent or you know the the, the columnist that we have over on the the uh the news site with stats you know tim from 7am kickoff and scott mm. uh you know doing their things you know they've always been uh, lewis as well doing tactics and am who did tactics as well mm-hmm. um you know it's always been obvious that they're the ones who are writing that so I think that's I think that's okay. And I know you've been over this uh before, but kind of what drove the decision to launch the Patreon? Um it was a way to to grow the site and to kind of future proof the website. Um right. Looking at kind of the trend in how, I suppose, with advertising revenue, did you find that Arsenal kind of rode the wave of that and then the wave was fading away? Yeah, it it would sort of go up and down and it would fluctuate. And again, it was one of those things where you're thinking, well, look, uh, 
it could be good one month and not great another month and and you know that lack of security in your income is um is difficult plus you know i i wanted to properly pay people for mm. what they were doing on the website and for the contributions that they were making to the website and it wasn't wasn't that people weren't being paid but i don't think people were being paid commensurate to the value that i thought they had mm. to to what we were doing um and we were going to build our own membership system and and everything else we went a little bit down the road in terms of that with with Tom and uh, another friend of mine Alex who does our player rating system he developed that for us and we were going to build something um but the implications of of sort of managing people's financials and credit card and all that kind of stuff were just a bit it was just too much for me. You know, I couldn't yeah. be, I just felt like I couldn't be responsible for the security of people's financial information and data and, and what have you. Um, that so is that's scary. Yeah. It is, I, you know, I, like I have it, that fear. you'd be, you'd be bereft if, if something happened and, you know, the, that information got hacked or whatever it is. So I felt, you know, I've been aware of Patreon and that felt like a, a good way to go for us. And, um, you know, I think what's been very interesting about it is the amount of people who've come on board to get more, which is great, and that's why it's there, but also the amount of people who are just on board because they've been, you know, readers or listeners for many years, and they they want to support, mm -hmm. and they just want to give a little back every month to um, to sort of say thanks for everything that they, they've got for free down the years and continue to get for free and, uh, and everything else. So it's a really nice... Um, been a really nice part of it you know because i'm 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 conscious that you need to give people value for their money and and everything else um but but that support element of it has been has been really lovely and uh you know yeah i don't know what more to say about that it is actually just really lovely that people are on board because they like what we do and i don't just mean me i mean you and andrew and you know everybody that does stuff uh, tim that does stuff for the site they appreciate it and they're willing to to put their hand in their pocket for uh, a little bit every month so yeah and, and also you know even the patreon has enabled the site you know i can see from the outside to expand into different content different things that mm. you just wouldn't have otherwise been able to do i mean and some of that's behind a paywall and some of it isn't you know the, the coverage yeah. of the women's team for example exactly has really stepped up since then in a big way and that's great to see I think. yeah exactly and that's that's because i could say to tim look i can pay you now to do more about the arsenal women's team mm. i can actually pay you more money to to write uh, and produce uh, stuff for the arsenal women's team and i think uh, you know i can't speak for tim but i feel like he's really enjoyed that side of things and um you know he's obviously very close to the team and the way it's set up and and uh uh, enjoys what they do and their success and their team, but I think he enjoys, you know, being able to produce content around, um, you know, what is the most successful Arsenal team at the moment. So, yeah, yeah. you know, it, it works. For, it works for both of us. But yeah, you're right. The same with the the youth team with with, with George Bird. Absolutely. And I was able to say to George, look, um, do me three articles a week on the youth team and the reserves. Uh, you know, he's got his own blog and he writes stuff for that, but do me three articles a week and this is what I can pay you. And he's like, okay, great. And he does. Um, you know, at the moment he's not because 
you know, there isn't <laughs> there isn't anything to write about. But, sure. you know, it was being able to sort of say to him, look, if you do this, I can do this for you. And it works for, for everyone, for me, for him, for the audience, because, you know, at the end of the day, they get more to, to, to read. And it's kind of amazing, I suppose. I only really now I think about it do I see that uh, at Arsenal you've got a bunch of people who kind of had their own blogs, you know, people like me, George, uh you know, Tim from 7am kickoff when he was mm. doing it, who have kind of all come under that umbrella in a way. And uh, yeah. that's quite a nice element of it too, I think. Yeah. But uh, what what does the future hold? Like as in, have you, do you have ambitions for Arsblog? Do you think about, oh, we, we need to do more of this? Like what, what can people look forward to, do you think? Um, Football coming back? Yeah, that, that would be, that would be a big help, wouldn't it? Um, what can we look? I, you know, I, I think obviously video content and doing more stuff on video is is mm. important because there's such a huge demand for it, and it's it's not really something I'm that comfortable with. I know you are. You're you know, um, you you will film I mean, yourself doing anything. Let's face sure, it. Sure, I will uh, film myself doing anything. Yeah, <laughs> but <laughs> but you have always been a little bit more reticent, that camera shy. Yeah. Yeah, like we were saying the other week when I did the yeah. Norwegian TV thing, those are things that I, I I get asked to do quite often and I'm like, nah, James can do that. That's fine. Sure. I don't I don't yeah, wanna yeah. be I don't wanna be on TV, but I do think probably, you know, YouTube content um in, in some fashion is something I've never really you know, I've never been a strategist in that I've right. uh, you know, beyond the sort of when it all went to shit thinking, well, what the fuck do I do now where I had to make some vague plan? I've never sort of sat down and and, and etched out the roadmap for Ars blog for the year to come and what are we going to do this year? I've always just kind of done things. Mm-hmm. I get an idea, I do it, and if it's good, it stays, and if it doesn't work out so well, I'll just sort of quietly drop it and we'll never speak of that again. Um, so I don't quite know. I mean, I think just being aware of technology and aware of how people want to consume content mm. is is a part of it you know so you know there was no social media but now we're everybody's on twitter and everyone's on facebook and everyone's on instagram and everyone's on uh, youtube and um you know what's next uh, i'm not necessarily saying we're going down the arse blog tiktok route i, I don't think that's <laughs> quite what's gonna out. happen but you know uh I, I I hope obviously that we get football back soon, and after that, I, I you know I'll I'll just try and keep making the best stuff possible for people and the best podcasts and and writing and and analysis and and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I know that there are, there are big operations that exist in in other platforms, you know, um, and I I can't you know let's say. I couldn't possibly do what Arsenal, Arsenal fan TV do, right? Sure. I, I can't and wouldn't even begin to try and do that. Uh, I know that there, you know, there's another um, long-running website that has set up their own YouTube channel as a kind of um, a more fast, a repost, <laughs> a more fan-friendly Arsenal fan TV version. You know that that's going to happen, but. I think there's always going to be people who want to read something. There's always going to be people who want to listen to something. And, and that's kind of where our strengths lie. And that's where I think we'll we'll focus. But, 
you know, I just can't say, and particularly at the moment, it's very, very difficult to say what, what comes next. But, mm. you know, hopefully people will stick with us and, and we can go on that journey together wherever it is. And, and I think it would be probably remiss not to ask this because people always ask me and I have to say, I don't know. Can you give people any kind of indication of how popular the site is and how big its reach is? Well, I mean, look... Or is it, I mean, generally, is that sort of sensitive information? I don't actually know. It's not really sensitive information, but you know what? It's it's not something that I look at right in a in a big way. Um, I think probably you know around when football was up and running and going, we have maybe what would you say forty fifty thousand people read the blog every day right which yeah. is a lot a football stadium's worth of people yeah exactly um and they're not the same people and different posts are more popular than others you know we will do over a million uh, podcast downloads every month um news is very busy or was very busy because there was a lot going on there was a lot happening you know so match match report player ratings um mm. analysis reaction stats you know all that kind of stuff generates a lot of a lot of traffic and a lot of page views so you're you're talking millions and millions of page views every month um Matt. but yeah i mean it is it's 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 big and it goes everywhere in the world there isn't you know a country in the world that doesn't visit the site um on a yeah. monthly basis i mean the big the two big um markets are obviously the uk which is about 45% of our visitors and listeners. This is sort of across the board, kind of. Broadly. Yeah, Yeah, broadly speaking. And then about 25% in the States, which is, you know, a huge part of our our audience is is in the US. And, uh, you know, again, sort of going back to, to what you want your site to be and how you want it to be perceived, you know, look, I, I can't sort of, um, stand up and say I am the epitome of a true Arsenal fan right because I'm an Irish guy who set up a website about an English club while I was living in Barcelona and I run it from Dublin so I'm not like died in the wall N5 Islington boy grew up you know up and down the 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 north bank or the clock end or whatever it might be you know Mm. that's not my Arsenal experience so I never tried to even pretend that that's what it was but I've always been or tried to make the site as inclusive as possible to everybody because, you know, I'm no better or worse an Arsenal fan. Well, some people might say I'm worse, but, you know, uh, I'm no better an Arsenal fan than anybody else, in my opinion. And whether you're from whether you're from London, whether you're from New York, from Texas, from Pakistan, from Australia, from Africa, from Ireland, Scandinavia, wherever you are from, your your affection and your love and your passion for the football club is real. Mm. Your experience of it might be different. It's unique. You know, it's a different thing if you're a guy who lives, you know, on the Holloway Road than if you live on somewhere else you know it's obvious it's a very different experience but nobody is sort of pretending that we all have to have the same experience to feel the way we feel about the football club so that's something i've always tried to 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 do is to make sure that nobody feels excluded 
from this worldwide global community that we have as as Arsenal fans. Mm. Yeah, so. that's very cool, mm. I think. The international element and, you know, I mean, mm. it's not just UK and US. I'm sure there's, you know, Africa probably a healthy chunk of readership. Yes, and, yes, for sure, for sure. I mean, yeah, it's crazy how, mm. how it goes. But um, I think... I mean, I think we've kind of covered it. Do you I, think there's anything we've missed? I don't think so. But look, how about we do this as, as um, uh, for our Patreon subscribers? There have been some questions on the Discord. So let's, like, right. fly through the questions on the Discord as a, as a, a little extra for the... Uh, the Patreon subscribers and as a thanks to them for their for their continued support and we'll bang through these questions and, and see how which see channel is get. it in Patreon it, stuff it's in Patreon stuff yeah okay great let's bang through some of these uh, oh wow there's some good ones here okay worst interview you've done for the blog we kind of did that on the Ask Cast Extra didn't we I that think was the Nord who asked that we did the worst interview I tell you the one the one of the only ones that I did that never got broadcast on the Arsecast was Alan Davies. Um, oh, really? Because he had dropped his phone in the toilet that week, and we did the interview, and the audio was just basically unsalvageable. I couldn't couldn't make it listenable because of whatever was going wrong with his phone. So that was... From a technical point of view, that was the worst interview because, you know, as everybody knows, Alan is a, a very passionate Arsenal fan, but a very funny man as well. Um, so that that was it was a shame it didn't go out. That's that is a sick shame. But have you done one with him since? I think so, but he has promised to do one again in the near future. So um, okay. for for giving the the Tuesday Club a bit of a plug on its return, uh, I said, look, you know, will you do one? And he said, yep. So we'll do that at some point in the in the next few weeks. Cool. Look forward to that. Um, what, says wise Mark Lahr, is the biggest maybe I shouldn't have said that moment you've had? That's... There's only one thing that really stands out to me that I kind <laughs> of... That's the thing you should say. I that's think. it. That, that I kind of regret... Um, the sort of core, the cornerstone of, of of writing something for me every day is is being honest, right? So yeah. you're honest about what you feel, um, because you can you can stand by it, even if in time, let's say you're proven wrong, you can say, well, look, that's the way I felt at the time. I feel like if you try and write something for someone or for people, and you you're writing what they want to hear, at some point you're going to contradict yourself. Because what the people want to hear one week is different the next week or, you know, three months down the line. And if you're trying to please the people, then you're going to trip yourself up. So I've mm -hmm. always been honest. So I can look back on pretty much everything I've written on the website and say, I'm okay with with the sentiment because I know when I wrote it, it was the way that I felt at the time. Right. But I would say what I thought or what I wrote about remember when Ibue came on as a sub and was terrible and yeah. was booed and taken off and I'm not sure I was as sympathetic as I should have been because I was he was a, a player who really really frustrated me you know yeah 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 and I think now I would write about that situation differently 
Um, so that would be that would be the the only one. But it's not like I'm embarrassed or I'm ashamed or no. what have you. I was it was my honest opinion at the time, and you know, looking back on it, you, you soften your views and and you you think I could have been, I could have been nicer. Also, hindsight is involved. Hindsight, so, yeah. Know, look at how Abue's story has turned out. And, mm. you know, we know a bit more about him now as a character and how well he might have been able to deal with that or not. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, of course, that influences things. So I think that's inevitable. There's going to be things like that. Hazza uh, uh, says, Was there ever a rivalry between the different blogs or have you always been so delightful to each other? Um, I don't think there's ever been any rivalry Certainly not between us, um, you know. And I think no. I, I, I think, mean, you were you were giving me a lot of support in the early days of me doing the blog. Well, so. I'm, yeah, I'm, I like I never viewed anybody as as competition. You know, I never quite, I never looked at it like that. I know I always thought, well, you know, there's there's another blog for people to read, and if they want to read it, they can read it. it it's not like you had to choose just one blog to read. You could read, you know, w- when you think back on it my daily reading would include um, Gunner Blog, mm. A Cultured Left Foot, mm. Goonerholic, um, Good Player. Um, God, there were loads. I'm trying to remember half the blogs that were out there. But you would I read all read of them. I used to read Arsenal News Review, of course. Yeah, Miles, Miles Palmer. Palmer, I would read it. I mean, <laughs> he, he, yeah, he didn't like me for a while maybe that that's the closest thing to a bit of a we, rivalry we, maybe we did do in fairness um the 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 spoof of arsenal news yeah. review um by and and people think it was me it wasn't me it was somebody else who wrote this uh the character of leopold mendacious and he would just mimic miles palmer's style of of you know talking about how you know in the 50s on on you know, on the old fucking Kent Road, he was at a gig and he saw, you know, all that kind of rock and roll stuff he would put in there. And they were really, really funny, but I'm not sure he necessarily saw the joke. Sure, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about this one? Uh, David the Sky. I think we did this on the Cars Extra as well the other day. Who was the first star, famous person, ex-player, etc., on the show? And how did you feel interviewing them? I think it was Perry Groves. Well, I think he was the first player. Right. The f- and the reason we did the interview with Perry Groves was because he had released a book around the time that Ashley Cole released a book. Do you remember? Remember Ashley uh. Cole released that book with with he had the... Uh, uh, I nearly swerved off the road. They were offering me so of little course. money and it was like of 60, 55 grand a week, whatever it was. It was like, oh, wow, poor Ashley. But, but Perry Groves had released a book... Um, and the campaign via the website was let's get Perry Groves book to number one ahead of Ashley Cole, and in doing so, I think I emailed the 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 publishers or the publicists or something like that and said, "Look, this is what we're doing. Could we get Perry on?" And I think you're right; he was the first ex player, but the first star, if you like, was Peter Hillwood, the chairman. Wow! Yes, I've just remembered that. after about. 10 or 12 episodes. So that was quite the coup. Yeah. Yeah. So he uh, was he was our first big name guest and, you know, not much names bigger than him at the time when you're chairman yeah. of the football club, so worth going back and trying to find that one actually. I'd like to hear that again. Um 
What about this? This is from Mark in Malta. No doubt the two of you have been drinking together on several occasions. Any stories, smiley face? Feels like he's implying romance. Mm. Um, it's not really true, though, is it? We haven't really been drinking together really very often. It really isn't true. Funnily enough, you know, if I'm in London and we'll, we'll, go, we'll go for a few beers, but we haven't yeah. been like... I don't, out, out. We haven't been like on a night out till no. we both have to crawl our separate ways. So the most drunk I've been in your company was definitely in New York. Oh uh, yes, oh during the during a live podcast, I believe. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was that was a that was a bit of a night out, I think, or stretched yeah. on into something. Yes, that was that was good fun actually. <laughs> but no, I mean, not there's not lo- been loads of. I mean, at the ninety nine percent of our interaction has been remote. Yeah, ninety nine point. Nine, really. Yeah, you've been over here to do a couple of podcasts, and I've been, been over there, yeah. and and what have you. But yeah, I mean, this is why it's. I guess it's pretty easy for us to just carry on um, while while other podcasters are going. Oh, how do you We're do? Corona it? proof. Oh, no. Yeah, exactly. We were way ahead of the game. Um, Stickers says, if you wrote the blog about Tottenham instead, would it be called shit post? <laughs> Cock blog. <laughs> Thank God it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, Neil Siglechner, I've had a real go at pronouncing that. Uh, you've had a few legends on the pod, Sesk, Wrighty, etc. Would you consider or have you considered interviewing any players who may have left under a cloud? I guess Van Persie being the obvious one. That's a That's a really good one because... There's part of me that thinks, yeah, they'd be good interviews, but then there's also part of me that worries about being a bit of a hypocrite, you know? Sure, um, sure. Yeah. Having it's difficult been, to... Yeah. You, you couldn't say, hello, Robin, uh, here's what I wrote about you at the time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't think it was really abusive or anything, but it wasn't particularly friendly. And, and um, you know, I remember when I was going out to to the to the US last summer and they were doing various events at these sort of fan things, you know, um, where they get groups of fans and they get some of the players and what have you. And I was asked, would I host one in LA? Yeah. And it would be like, you know, some players come out, you do a few games, you do a few interviews and what have you. Would I, would I host one? And I said, no, I wouldn't. <laughs> Because I think, you know, there is a need for a certain measure of editorial independence, if you like. Mm. It's like when you meet someone you really don't like until you meet them and then you go, oh, they're kind of an all right person, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Which is an annoying thing. But also there was an element, you know, from my point of view of like, what if I go out there and they sort of, you know, bring out the players and there's Mustafi. And you're kind of having to laugh and joke with Mustafi. And you know that you've said things about him and his football, which are not flattering. And, and you know, to my mind, um, criticism of footballers is is okay. You know, once mm. it doesn't go beyond the, the pale and into sort of personal abuse and certainly not directing abuse to them, you know, uh, on their Twitters and stuff like that. But at the same time, how you'd I just would have felt like a right cunt if I'd been on the stage in LA and there's Mustafi and you're going, Oh shit, man, the things I've said about you and some of your mistakes, this is awkward. I went to the event as it turns out and who did they bring out? 
I can't remember. Mustafi. No. Mustafi, and there was like four or five others, Nacho Monreal and everything else. But had it been me doing it, it would have been just toe curling, you know? So it's trying to find that balance between between sort of your own integrity and, and wanting to get the story and, and everything else. So Yeah, yeah. It's a really tricky one. Mm. I mean... This is sort of the same similar theme, this question. Uh, Roro Safari said, you're a writer, podcaster, and content creator focused on Arsenal. Have you ever considered or desired trying to turn these skills into a job at the actual club? Um, no, not really. Not really. Um, because, you know, I live here, I live in Dublin, and, you know... I, you know, I suppose there would have been a point if at some stage when things were maybe not quite as developed as they are now, Arsenal came along and said, we want, you know, to give you a job as I don't know what the job would be. But like, let's say there was an attractive job that paid you a lot of money at sure. Arsenal Football Club. It, yeah, sure. It would be really, really tempting. Um, head of football. Head of football. Yeah. <laughs> well, I take that now. I would I would take that now if anyone's listening. Um but you know I I I it, my ambition when it came to to Arsenal was to one day play for the club and beyond that you know I I don't have the ambition to to work that's, that's for probably Arsenal. not going to happen now is I it? Do, I don't think it is. I don't mm. think it is. But let's never say never. Hey, you know who knows um if this thing goes on for, for much longer, players might have to leave and do their own thing and they might be desperate. Might be sure. desperate enough to, to call me. But yeah, no, I mean I think you know, now it's 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 well established as an independent voice and you know, I think that's that's where it is and where it's gonna stay. Cool. Uh what about this one? Toxic Avenger six 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 says, Has there ever come a time when you've thought this is too much? I can't do it anymore. Uh, or have you ever given yourself an ultimatum? Like if this stops being fun, I will stop doing it and just walk my dogs, drink beer and laugh at Leeds. <laughs> um no, I mean there there hasn't. There are times when it's a lot of work and I think there was you know, when I was doing stuff for Arsbog and, and, you know, we were doing stuff at the same time for ESPN. And, mm -hmm. you know, there were times when I was having to write columns for ESPN and, you know, write columns for Arsblog where I felt, I felt like I wasn't really producing good stuff for ESPN because I was going through the motions and I was doing the good stuff for Arsblog. Like if I had a good idea, I'd keep it for Arsblog and not do it for ESPN, obviously. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, look, it's always been fun and it's never been, it's just so ingrained in my routine now, James, that I get up and I write that I, I never really thought about it not being fun anymore. Um, yeah. So look, and, and the other part of it is, you know, I, I'm not in a position to just walk away and drink beer and walk dogs. I still have to pay my mortgage and pay the bills and pay you guys and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, I'm not saying that's a chore by any means or, or anything like it. But look, at the end of the day, if you feel like anyone, I think, regardless of your job, you know, the way people will say, well, actors, they've got an easy life. And an sure. actor will tell you, well, yeah, it might seem like that. But I've got to sit around on a set for 14 hours 
and I only get to work for, you know, three minutes to do a scene or whatever it is. <laughs> yes, yeah. I get a lot of money for it or whatever, but it's still, it's your own individual experience of something, right? Mm-hmm. And there are days where you go, okay, this is a lot of work or it's a pain in the hole. And certainly, you know, when things are, are a bit toxic in general among the fan base, it's not, it's not the most enjoyable. Like, I prefer when Arsenal win, and we haven't been doing enough of that in recent times, et cetera, et cetera. But then you realize, or you step back and you think, well, you know what? I'm actually writing about the football club I love for uh, for my job. This is my job. Mm. Think about what you would have said if somebody had come along and said to you, your job is going to be writing and talking about Arsenal. You would have bitten their hand off. Back when you were programming that IKEA robot. Exactly. Or doing all the shit jobs I've done over the time. DJing. I love DJing, but that can be a pain in the hole as well. You know, so I I, 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 I don't forget how fortunate I am and how lucky I am to be able to do what I do. And thankfully, people like, like it. Um, so even if you do have some moments where you're like... Oh, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's a an amazing thing to be able to do, uh, and uh, I don't take it for granted. So, this question, I have to say, I don't fully understand. It's from Sunny Cool, time to be honest. Ask blog. What techniques have you used over the years to squash the podcast competition? <laughs> Ex Mossad agents and and all. <laughs> um, look, I've never ever, like I said with the blogs, I've never viewed anything as competition i'm i'm always happy to go on other people's podcasts right you know because i know i ask people for their time to come on my podcast and i feel like that is something that i've got to do for other people whether they're an established podcast or whether there's somebody that's just starting a podcast and they they sort of tentatively reach out and say is there any chance you could you know do the podcast you know i know you go yeah sure because it feels like you kind of owe it back to the the great circle of karma or life or whatever Mm -hmm. it might be Mm -hmm. so you know i haven't killed any podcasts there's billions of fucking arsenal podcasts out there guys loads of them there's more every day um so the more the merrier. They're bringing the old ones back now as well. Yeah. I mean, it's incredible. <laughs> but but there's plenty of time to listen to podcasts. That is for sure. That's for sure. And like, it's just about choice, isn't it? People have choice in what it is they listen to. Um, and the, the more choice they have, the better. I think the, the more variety there is out there in all kinds of media, the better for everyone, because it means you can find something that you connect with. Um, so, Yeah. I, I haven't I haven't bumped anyone off yet. Um, speaking of bumping people off, this one's quite morbid Ooh. from uh, Boo Nana. And Boo Nana says, slightly morbid, but in times like these, have you thought about how this site and community would continue to function if you weren't around? Is Gunnerblog your de facto successor? I mean, wow. I'm not going to make you put me in the will now on air. <laughs> have I thought about it? Sure, just from a like the point of view of of um, I'd like it to just sort of continue and be there. 
Mm. If something did happen to me, and, you know, touch wood, uh, nothing does. But I would like it to sort of be there as a, a kind of um, digital graffiti, if you like, that lasts. Um, yeah. As for what happens to the community, you know, I don't know. Genuinely, I don't know. And I don't know how you even think about planning for for something like that. Um, but, yeah, that is very morbid, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it is, yeah. And that was the last question. No, uh, thanks, need, everyone. We, no, need, we need one more, at least, just to get over. <laughs> uh, what about this? Favourite silly voice from the old days? Uh, from Kaiju, their favourite is, is I Am Abue. Oh, I think The Man in the Bar. Sure. The yeah. Man in the Bar, but it hurt. Because I would do, um, if, if anyone's a, um, a newish listener to the podcast, The Man in the Bar must have done 100 or 120, or he would do player histories. Mm. And it was basically a ridiculous... Irish accent, which I can't even remember how it goes. It was like, hello, the man in the bar here. Hello. It was like that. And I would do like a two-minute player history on, you know, Frank Stapleton was raised by penguins. And it, yeah. was, it was like that. <clears throat> but even doing that is, <laughs> is quite sore. So it, it, was, it was a good one to do, but... Um, it hurt my it hurt my throat. Um, Arshav and I all, always loved, and uh, Sylvester, Mikhail Sylvester as well. Of course. Do you uh, want to funk? <laughs> uh, a couple more. Chip in said, how much was the deal with LLA? We sort of said it was a, a, a fair amount of money. Um, finally, uh, Nick Lucchesi, or Lucchesi, says, what do you think have emerged as the prevailing themes of the Arse Blog mission over the years? The Arse Blog mission, the prevailing themes. That's a good question. I think... Um, I think... I mean, this is a question that other people would have to answer, but from my point of view is producing good quality content for people and committing to doing that. Uh, when, like, let's say when you, when you introduced the live blog, mm. it became popular really quickly and you kind of have to keep that going. Yeah. You have to keep it going because people like it. And there's a sort of community around the live blog too, all these sort of disparate communities within this community. You know, there's the, the Arses, the forum, the Patreon, the Twitter, the Facebook, you know, all of those things. But there's a sort of chat community on the, the live blog as well that people who, who never interact anywhere else on the site will meet and chat in the thing for the games, like the IRC thing we were talking about at the very start. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, 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 I hope it's that people appreciate the commitment to giving them the things that they like because you know you watch a game and you're doing a live blog and sometimes i do a live blog and a match report at the same time while i'm watching the game and right. that's not easy no I, i've trained myself to do it but it's not you know it's not easy it's not the optimal way to watch a game of football either so um i, I think it's just making sure that that what people love about the website and like about the website and like about the podcast, they continue to get. 
and it remains high quality and it remains something which uh, is serious when it needs to be and not serious uh, doesn't take it, it doesn't take itself too seriously all the time and reminds people that you know we're we're kind of all in this for one reason because we all share this passion we all share this this love for Arsenal football club that's why we're here and it's a, a thing we all have in common even if we all even if we have our our differences of opinion we can we can have those without it becoming tetchy and contentious and and abusive um mm. so that i think uh would be my answer to that and also to to make sure people know that dolphins are cunts i guess yeah and teddy sheringham and john terry yeah. are absolute cunts so. <laughs> opposing john terry yeah it's the arse blog mission well it is i think that's on the the arse blog facebook page um right facebook when you um do a page it says you know what is your what is your mission <laughs> and i think the mission maybe i had to delete it or something recently but it was the the uh is it there i don't know if it is but it was like um, the ultimate destruction of John Terry, something like that, was the, the the mission of the website. So, and a worthy mission it is too. What what a what an ambition to have. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. I think that's it. I think it is. Well, thank you. Um, thank you for a great interview. Um, My pleasure. I, I think you did a a good job. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the questions and the conversation. So, well, there you go. I hope people enjoyed listening at home. Where's this going out? Is this going on uh, Patreon? Uh, I guess Patreon first. We give the Patreon guys this give them first. A, a nibble at it. Give them a nibble first, and then we can put it out on, on general release um, for everyone else. So. Very nice. Well, thanks for letting me do it. I enjoyed it. Well, thank you. Um, I'll let you sign off in a, in a return to you know normality. A return to normality. Well, look, thank you to everybody for listening as always um, and thank you for supporting us in whatever way that you do that whether it's just visiting and downloading the site whether it's on Patreon um, we thank you very much indeed for it because you know none of it would be worth very much without you guys uh, at the other end of a, uh, an iPod or a pair of speakers or a phone or a tablet whatever it is um, so thank you very much uh, you know it's been 18 plus years and we're still chugging along so hopefully hopefully plenty more to come and thank you, James, as well. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.